welcome to the Bali Insiders Podcast. Salamat Tatang. I'm Emma. I'm Carly. And we're here to bring you the insider tips on what's really happening on the world's favorite island. Expect chats with Bali's movers and shakers and people doing amazing things on our beautiful island home. We can't wait to bring you today's episode, so let's go. This episode has been brought to you by Grab Super App your go-to app in Bali for all of your transport, food delivery, and shopping needs. Bali is easier with Grab. Hi, everyone. It's been a while, but we are back with a very fresh new start for the Bali Insiders podcast. Hey, Em. Hey, Carls. Very exciting to be back. And I know it's taken us a little moment to work out our schedules and figure out how I guess we can best bring you all the Bali stories and tips and just put it all into a a fortnightly podcast for everybody. That's right. So from this time forward, we're going to be dropping an episode every fortnight because that's what we can fit into our schedules. (laughs) So a fresh episode every fortnight and the episodes will continue to be either an interview with someone doing business in Bali or calling Bali home. And then of course, we're going to continue with our Bali Insider Tips episodes where it's just Em and I answering all of the questions and covering all the topics that you've been asking about and sending through on our socials. Absolutely. And we are super excited for this new chapter and also excited about today's guest. We are speaking to Jasper Manifold, who is one of the founders of Seminyak's most iconic restaurants, Meriputi. Now, this week, we're going to see Meriputi reopen its doors since the first, since 2020, when it shut due to the pandemic. And not coincidentally, it will open on Independence Day this week, which is August 17. Puti is famous for serving really high-end Indonesian cuisine in a, in a stunning venue. So what better day to reopen? I think it's absolutely perfect. They haven't planned that any better, I don't think. So every August, just a little bit of background I think is important, every August in Indonesia you see businesses, houses and cars adorned with the Indonesian flag. The 17th is at the actual holiday, but many places of work will have a flag-raising ceremony on the morning of the 17th before the staff can then head home again for the day. So the national holiday commemorates Indonesia's declaration of independence from the Netherlands in 1945. Yeah, and you'll see lots of different Independence Day dinners and celebrations happening right around Bali. And I couldn't think of a better day for Meriputi to be reopening after such a challenging time in Bali. Hi, Jasper, and welcome. And thank you so much for giving us this time on what I'm sure is a super busy week for you. It is. It is. Good to be here. Thank you. So we usually start with our Fast five. M, I'll let you ask the fast five because I'm always hogging that job. <laughs> yeah, you do actually. I'll, I'll take this one. <laughs> All right. So these can be just one word answers, quick, quick little snippets. So Jasper, when did you first visit Bali? I first arrived in Bali on the 20th of January, 2007. Wow. And that what is a very specific was... answer. I remember. That was. <laughs> <laughs> This when I started a job. (laughs) And what's your favourite area of Bali? That would have to be Sonor. The reason is, is I live there. And the Mm -hmm. reason that I live there is because it's my favourite area. So whereas 
Whereas Seminyak and Kuta and Changu is the hustle and bustle and the place to be. Sonora is a little bit further away, a little bit quieter, but yet still only 30 minutes from getting into work. Carl will agree with you on that one. Preach oh, and but, converted oh. here. <laughs> Yesterday, I was listening to previous episodes of your podcast, and I knew that that question was going to come up, and I was discussing it at the table. And Elliot, who is my six-year-old son, said that it wasn't all about me, and Sonora is not the best place in Bali. Waterbomb is the best place in Bali. <laughs> so a little disclaimer is my son says, wants me to tell you that the best place in Bali is Waterbomb Park. Well, it is pretty good too. I have to it's agree. pretty cool. Noted, <laughs> Elliot. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you, Elliot. I promised I promise him I'd tell you that the best, the best area is Waterbomb. We agree. I love a good Waterbomb day. Yes. Yeah. And uh, this one could be an interesting answer. What's your favourite restaurant in Bali? <laughs> um, I would say Maraputi. Yeah, um, only be- because we built Maraputi and because Maraputi is ours, everything that I want in a restaurant, I believe that we have done at Maraputi. And also because I very rarely go out. So I don't actually <laughs> know every other place on the island. But- <laughs> I do believe that we're off Maraputi is a rather wonderful um, dining experience. We do agree. We agree. <laughs> and what's your favourite local food? It's not really about the food. The thing that I love the most about Indonesian food are the sambals. Mm-hmm. I believe that a lot of the time, especially Indonesian, when we first opened Maraputi, something that stood out is that the Westerners would come and they would eat the food and they'd go, oh, this dish is really nice, etc., etc. And a lot of Indonesians would have the same food in front of them and they'd ask for the chili sauce, the sambals, and they would taste them. And if those sambals tasted right, then the rest of the meal was going to be fine. And, oh, yes. Um, Judging even, the food even by the, expats, the sambal. Yeah, even the expats <laughs> that have been here a long time, or the, the expats that live here, a lot of them will say, or just ask for the extra chilies based on, on which chili they are and it's what makes a meal. A lot, a lot of the time. Sambal. That's the first time somebody's mm. answered that. Sambal. Yeah. Because it goes with and, everything. So basically it's what makes a meal. Either that or the rice. Yeah. <laughs> and what do you love most about Bali? Mm, motorbikes. I love <laughs> driving motorbikes. If it wasn't for scooters, then I don't know, I'd just be probably stuck in traffic all the time. True. Um, motorbikes are the best way to get around. And, uh, you know, I much prefer a motorbike to a car, for sure. The reason okay. why everybody gets there and just gets straight on a motorbike is because they are wonderful. Not 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 so much when you've had a few drinks, but in general, motorbikes are, are the best way, best transportation. Definitely, yes, definitely. And a fun way to see everything, if yeah. you're licensed and insured. <laughs> um, and wearing so, a helmet. Yes, that's right, and wearing a helmet. So, Jasper, take us back to 2007 when you first came to Bali and you were moving here to work for Coup d'etat. What did yeah. your role in Coup d'etat teach you about hospitality and about hospitality in Bali and, and Bali life in general? I arrived in Bali from Australia. I'm originally obviously from the UK, but I came from Australia and I arrived thinking based on what I was doing in Australia that I knew everything about hospitality. I knew how to run a restaurant or a bar, etc., etc. But in Bali, I learned that things are done a little bit differently here. When I worked at Coup d'etat, the owner, 
whose name was Arthur or Arturo, as they used to call him. He taught me that in Bali, things are a bit different. You know, if you, if you just arrive from the Western world and there's some guy at the bar who's slurring his words, you know, the, the immediate thing you do is you, okay, you cut him off. That's it. He's had enough. But in Bali, you know, he's slurring his words, but he's not really harming anybody. He's got a driver waiting for him outside. He'll be all right. He'll get home fine. You know, when I arrived at Kudatai, I remember I was sat down. I was sat down for a chat on my first day. And this owner, Arthur, he sat me down and he said, welcome to Kudita. You're the manager. So, you know, you're in a position of power. But the staff here, you know, sometimes you get upset with them. But they've been here for 10 years. And after you leave, they'll be here for another 10 years. So then they're not going anywhere. The chef, the, the restaurant is full. The customers are happy. So don't try and change the food. He said the only things that you have power over that can change the guest experience is if you talk to them nicely, the lights and the music. Just make sure the lights are not too bright and the music is not too loud. And as long as you're nice to them, everybody will have a wonderful dining experience. <laughs> and it's kind of, he shut me down. Well, not shut me down, but he just told me as it was. And, and he was right. He was right. You know, the people aren't looking, of course, people are looking for wonderful food. Of course, people want to have amazing cocktails. And, but it's the, experience, it's the overall experience that matters more than anything. Yeah, and yeah. as long as people have an overall experience and he hires the best people in every position, then it all comes together and, and a customer will always leave happy. Mm. And that's kind of how we, the philosophy all those years on, it's the philosophy here at Maripudi. So your role at Coup d'etat was coming to an end. The lights were all good. The service was amazing. <laughs> it wasn't too loud. <laughs> I, just, I just did all the settings on the lights and they just left me there. And you were getting ready to leave Bali and you met your beautiful wife, Melissa, and you decided to stay on the island. So... I guess, tell us then how this whole idea of Meriputi came to life. I wasn't getting ready to leave Bali, but mm. I knew that I'd originally come over for a few months and I'd been at Kudita for three years, I think, at the time. And I said, okay, look, I, there's other things I want to do in my life and I was getting ready. It wasn't an issue if I wasn't to stay. And then, as you said, Melissa came along and it was like, well, we were happy and everything was great. So I'd stayed at Kudita. And then this idea came along that all these tourists were coming to Bali for these wonderful holidays, these wonderful hotels. But the only thing that was available in terms of quality dining was Italian, was Japanese, was pasta, pizza, etc., etc. But there was no real uh, elevated Indonesian dining experience. And when I go to, if I was to go to Mexico, I definitely want to eat the best burrito or the best tacos in town. But here, the only the only offering at that time for Indonesian food was street food. Now, a lot of the expats love the street food. A lot of people who live here was authentic. It was great. But the people that come over on holiday and stay at these fancy hotels, they're not really going to go for it. Go down to the street and order off the carts, you know? So <laughs> I thought, let's, let's do something. Let's do something. Let's go with this Indonesian concept. And then... Despite that being the idea, I then met up with some invested, potential investors and I presented them the idea and I said the name was Mariputi, Mariputi meaning red and white, the colours of the Indonesian flag, which is something that Indonesians are very proud of. 
And once the deal had been agreed and the restaurant had been financed and we built the restaurant, I turned around to the Indonesian partners and I said, at what point was it? Because you dragged me on for quite a while. At what point was it that you knew that you were going to build this restaurant? And the one of the main people who I'm still in business with today said, as soon as I saw the name, I knew that was going to be a beautiful Indonesian restaurant because of the colours of the flag, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. And it felt like, well, it felt like to me when Mariputi opened that it became almost an overnight sensation. It became popular really quickly. There was lots of pictures flying around about it. What do you think the key was to the rapid success? Do you think it was because you had something that nobody else had or it's the the whole package or the just the stunning the stunning decor? There's no question about it that the restaurant looks very different to every restaurant even today. Mm-hmm. The architect, Charlie Hearn, who designed it, did an absolutely incredible job. And it's it still gets wows at the first time people walk into it. I believe that Kieran, the chef at the time, he did an exceptional job creating the right balance of Indonesian, authentic Indonesian flavors with modern cooking techniques that are adaptable to Westerners whilst not taking anything away from the flavor and the way Indonesians want food to taste. But also the staff, the staff, a lot of them had come from Kudita and had worked with us for a while. Just to point out that the chef also was working at Kudita, so it's something that we both left together to do this. Some of the staff arrived, and then the cocktails, the cocktails and the drinks were really well priced. We wanted to make it approachable from day one. But then also one thing that maybe contributed to the fact also that we were so busy from day one was we were advertising ourselves as an Indonesian restaurant. You have to be very clear. So Maraputi, when Westerners say it, when they hear it for the first time, now a lot of people know the name. But before it's like, what did you say, Maraputa? What what was it, Maraputi? (laughs) And Indonesia, uh, sorry, Westerners couldn't always get the name. But at the time, every taxi driver would remember it. So when um, every concierge would remember it. The GMs of the hotel, who were from wherever in the Western world, maybe didn't get it straight away. But every Indonesian concierge, every taxi driver, remembered that name and it was before the days that you'd go on TripAdvisor and get recommendations or Google it was when you spoke to the locals and asked and and just like I said before the the investor the Mariputi is a name that they were very proud of and the fact that they were sending customers there and then the customers most of the time were coming back happy it's something that they felt comfortable probably sending sending their guests to again Yeah. yeah yeah so In 2016, you added catering to your Meriputi services, which is very special to myself and my husband because we use Meriputi for our wedding and we still get comments about the food to this day. But tell us a bit about how, I guess, this changed the business model and if, if it'll be something you're offering again. (laughs) <laughs> um, Mariputi Catering was an idea we had we were pushed into it by the very first couple we ever did we said no, no, no and then she just did not stop asking and then at the end of the day was we just it? said okay, we'll do it sorry? Was that <laughs> no, it wasn't you no, 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 no and so we did their wedding and it was very hard work but at the end of the day the rewards were humongous and I, I'm not talking about the financial rewards I'm talking about this was, there was lots of tears. It was the most important day for somebody. And everybody said, oh my God, the food was amazing. 
Then we started to do a couple more, and then we made it official that Mariposi Catering was a business. When the customers came, they came to the, because we had the restaurant, we could do tastings, et cetera, in the restaurant. But the downside to that is, is we did these tastings with couples in the restaurant and they ate this food and they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. I want this at my wedding, which happens to be on a cliff top in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> um, and so we then had that task of creating this beautiful food on some trestle tables and in a tent in the middle of nowhere. And the chefs, we only did, we didn't do that many weddings. A lot of caterers, that's their job. Whereas for us, it was a bit of a side business. So we could do it a lot less, but we did it. The focus was on the quality. When you hired Mariputi at that time, the waiters that were at your wedding were the waiters from Mariputi in their Mariputi uniforms. The cocktails with the foams and everything, et cetera, that you would have at Mariputi, all of a sudden were being served, as I said, on a clifftop floor. And it was something we loved doing. Very, very hard work from many, many angles, but it was very, very rewarding. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, as I'm sure your follow-up question is about to be, <laughs> Mariputi Catering did not survive the pandemic. Yes. So no more. So lucky those people who did get Mariputi Catering, M. <laughs> Another reason why we're not doing catering anymore is because in Bali, Bali's had a few hiccups along the way in the time that I've been here such as we've had a volcano that closed the airport. We had an earthquake, which put a few people off. And then obviously, like the rest of the world, we had the pandemic. And the thing about catering was when you do someone's wedding, it's years in the planning. And I'm taking it guaranteeing that no matter what, I'll do this wedding so far in advance. Yeah. that if anything was to happen, like now, now we still have these weddings that were planned for last year that we can't do. So now we have to open a restaurant and find a way to refund all these people. But um, it's just, it's one thing that we've learned now is we're taking every step at a time a little bit to and just say, oh, everything will be fine for this amazing wedding in two years. Is, yeah. Is, yeah. Is and I'm finding a lot of restaurants, you know, obviously with our business, with long table events, you know, we love and prefer using restaurants because of the quality. You know, we obviously did a lot of work with Meruti and I think, Everyone I'm talking to at the moment that we worked with is in a very similar situation. And I think the focus now is getting the, you know, the restaurants back up and running, getting bums on seats again and, you know, getting that. That's the focus opposed to, you know, those extra things. But, yeah, I'm finding that's a very common conversation I'm having at the moment. When we did catering events with, with you, Emma, you know, we laugh about it now, but there were times where, I'd come running out of the kitchen because the food was ready and someone had decided to throw in an extra speech at the last minute. And it was it was just because if, if the food didn't come out at that very moment, then it wouldn't be what these people were paying all this money for. Yes. And it was run like a restaurant. And that's yeah. what, what made, us, made it a little bit different. Was I can't control dad if he wants to speak for an extra 20 minutes. He's taking the bill. It's his time to shine. I can't stop dad. So, Jasper, moving on to the pandemic, talk us through the the stages at the beginning of 2020 when everything was starting to, to close down and the decisions that you had to make both as a business and as a, as a family who were living in Bali at that time. Yeah, yeah. The pandemic, like whoever else you talk to in Bali, was pretty brutal. You're talking about the famous Bali traffic going to ghost town like streets. People 
I don't know what the number is, but I know that most people on this island in directly or indirectly rely on tourism. We found it very hard, but we did close the restaurant. We continued to support the staff for as long as we could. But now today, as I talk to you, I think in two days, we opened the restaurant again. And I was going through some stuff the other day and I found a little piece of paper, which is what I had in my hand when I did a speech to all the staff when we closed. And there was, everybody's a bit worried. And I said, look, there's this virus and we don't really know what it's going to do, but it's only a few weeks. Don't worry. We're going to keep on paying you. Don't worry. Don't throw your uniforms away. You're going to need them soon, blah, blah, blah. And then one week became one month, which became six months, which became August 2022. Uh, and there, at the beginning, there were a lot of food banks and, and things, but even that couldn't last forever. You know, yeah. the people that were donating to the food banks or restaurants or the hotels that were open and donating to the food banks themselves closed. In a lot of countries like Australia or the UK or whatever, the, the government did handouts and people's lives changed dramatically, like everywhere. But here, a lot of lives stopped. And that was the difference. So what happened to me is I was fortunate enough to find another a job career move even in Jakarta. So I did that for two years, back and forth between between there and here with the family. But a lot of the Balinese were not that fortunate. You know, you've got people that are experienced waiters that were then working as car park attendants, etc, etc. But Mariputi is opening now, but a few in the last few months, so many other venues are opening up and people are finding their feet again. And it's, it's good. Awesome. And were you always going to kind of wait until tourism returned? Was it a bit of a... We tried. We tried to open three times. Yeah. Right. And then it's now that we know that it wasn't about Indonesia opening up its borders. It was about travel being easy for people. People are not going to leave their homes if coming to Indonesia is going to be hard work. If they're yeah. going to have to do 15 different tests and they change the, the, the vaccination regulations every day. And it just now it's open. The only thing, the problem now is that airlines are charging rather expensive fares, but I'm sure they'll go down again in the future. Was there ever a time in any of that, Jasper, that you and the investors or other business partners thought about it may have been the end for Mariputi? Was there... Absolutely. Absolutely. The whole yeah. time. One turning point, rather maybe the turning point, was when Mariputi closed. Mariputi was kind of on the market before the pandemic. Like it was a successful business. Every business is always for sale for the right price, but it was just chit chat between us and other people and then when the pandemic came we put it up for sale at a much much reduced rate and then a few people came to see the restaurant and even even though we'd cut the price in half they were still offering half of that and it was like well i reckon that we can i reckon we can do a better job ourselves so yeah. we did it we did it one thing that if you go onto the mariputi instagram and facebook there was a post that we put up and it said Mariputi is for sale. Mm, um, I and I think it got 700 or 800 of the most beautiful comments. And yeah. now we're opening and they're saying, oh, you should take that post down because it's, you're not for sale anymore. I said, yeah, but I don't want to delete all those comments. Yeah. I want to keep them. So um, we kept it there and then we're just going to do a few more posts and then it will be, yeah. that particular post will be low on the timeline and nobody will see it, but yeah. it's there for us. And then it's part, it's part of the history then yeah, of yeah, where yeah. the business has been. So now, now we're in the, the exciting time and the, the reopening week, which I'm sure is going to be really iconic, not just for yourself, but for the whole of Semenyak, I think, because, you know, it's such an 
an, an icon of Semenyak there. What can we expect from the new era of um, of Meriputi? Is there is it the same as always, or have you got any new things in, in store for us? Before the pandemic, Meriputi was doing good. So therefore, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Yeah, the food is going to be the same food. Obviously, new dishes, but the same style of Meriputi style of food. Same with the cocktail. Same with the venue. We're going to make some small changes. We're going to make some small changes, but overall, it was more about bringing back the restaurant that we had that we were very proud of and very happy with, and gave jobs to some um, some people that have been working with us for a very long time. And we did, no, we weren't ever upset with it. So, we're going to did you it. manage to keep many of like? Is there a lot of staff returning who were there? Because two years uh, the, is a long the staff, time. Yeah, a lot of the staff when you come, uh, Emma, on uh, Wednesday night, will be is some it? familiar faces. Yeah. We've, we've had to reduce the team because we're reopening not for full capacity. It will take us a long time before we get there, I assume. But we're not, and we're not open for lunch. We're just opening for dinner step by step. But uh, yeah, a lot of the staff are, are going to be the same faces that were here on the coasters. I don't know if you remember, but all the staff yeah, faces were on the coasters and we've got the same faces. Well, oh, we've, had to, we've had to take, take some of the coasters out, but the ones that are on the... <laughs> But, but there's no need to update the coaster faces at the moment because it's all the same people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, how lovely. And yeah. so I guess this is a tricky question to answer after the last couple of years we've been through, but where do you see yourself and the business in the next five years? Like will Bali still be your home base? Will, are there any more, you know, restaurants or venues on the horizon? What are the plans? Uh, definitely Bali. Definitely Indonesia. Because after moving to Jakarta during the pandemic, Jakarta, a lot of people will say how bad it is, but it isn't, as long as you learn to live there. It's the same with any country. It's quite exciting, everything that's happening over there. Um, definitely staying in Indonesia, definitely living in Bali. Any new venues? Maybe. We have a lot of ideas, but we're going to step by step. One thing at a time, you know, I'm sure that people come along all the time and they say, let's roll out 25 of these across the world. And mm-hmm. But then if something happens, then I've got to... If, if, yeah. we, if we were to even open one extra restaurant and something else was to happen, that's not 100 people I need to look after, that's 200 people I need to look after. <laughs> so, you know, we're going we're gonna to do it. We have some ideas and we want to do some wonderful things. Of course we do, but it's going to be done right. It's not going to be done fast. Well, Never we know are, what tomorrow brings. We are super, super happy for you all. We're super happy for us all who are here to have Mariputi back on our foodie hit list for when we're visiting Semenyak and we really thank you for sparing us some time in this busy week for, for you. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, that's our pleasure. Pleasure. Now at the end of <laughs> I thought my interview- story was pretty boring and then I listened to it. <laughs> I do have something to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, now you've just got one last job before we let you go. So at the end of okay. each interview we ask your best barley tip. And it can be about business, life in general. If you're, you know, offering a first-timer a tip, what would it be? There's nothing cool about not wearing a helmet. Oh, yeah. Good Good tip. There's nothing cool about not wearing a helmet. Well, thank you so much, Jasper. Thank you very much for for inviting me. I am super excited and cannot wait to revisit the restaurant again. Meripudi is one of 
Our favourite restaurants on the island, obviously favourite caterers, we use them a lot for weddings and Jules and I actually use them for our weddings. So they definitely have a very special place in our heart. Yeah, it's a really stunning place and it's so iconic in Semenyak and it's a really luxe way if you want to come over to Bali and enjoy Indonesian cuisine in a super luxury setting and high-end food. So yeah, I'm super excited for them as well. It's a great, it's a great thing for Semenyak as well. So that's it for today. We'll be back in two weeks with a new guest we're very excited about. She's working in the digital nomad space in Bali. So if this is something that you're interested in hearing more about, then make sure you tune in. And as always, stay tuned to our socials where we will announce when our episode has been dropped and we are trying our best to get back to all your questions and comments. So please keep them coming in because they give us the ideas for our next episodes. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bali Insiders. If you love the show as much as we loved making it, please subscribe and give us a review. You can also follow us on both Facebook and Instagram at Bali Insiders and stay up to date with what's really happening in Bali. Until next time, terima kasih. Sampai jumpa lagi.